It's awkward as a speaker uh, whenever you have a talk planned and then you see God like going a whole nother direction with the service. Now, it's, it's, I mean, I could just, I think we could just go kind of into communion probably and then go into ministry because of the testimonies that have happened today. I mean, our, I mean, as the church leader, not speaker, but as the church leader, my greatest job when we get together on Sunday morning is to raise expectation. It's for you to believe that God's alive that he is reigning over us, and that there's this unseen kingdom that is all-powerful, that amazing things can happen whenever you trust and move and are loyal to the king. The king does things that are crazy. I mean, amazing things. He heals little Muslim kids, and he calls people to, what a hadabuchi, wherever China that is. You know I mean? He, he just does amazing things and gets us through the airport. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. And when we hear stories like that, what's exciting is that our expectations are raised. And so as a church leader, I just have to kind of come behind us. I see, I told you, this is what it looks like. Welcome to River City Church. This is normal. This happens all the time. When the kingdom of God comes, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. And those testimonies were a great picture of that. And so now as a speaker, I'm like, dang, I'm just going to wreck everything. I was going to teach them the fear of God today. You know, <laughs> so I was like, where am I going to go with this? But I do want to talk about... Um, Specifically, this reality, one of the things that was a consistent thread through all of people's lives, when you think about Rebecca, you think about the, the first and the last testimony, or the Rebecca's testimony and the last testimony, lives lived in loyalty to Christ in every way. I've lost everything, I'm willing to give up everything, I'm cu- uncomfortable, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go because I trust, because God spoke to me, and he's, he's my king, and, he's, and he deserves my loyalty because of of what he has conquered in my life, because he's conquered sin in my life, he deserves my loyalty. And so with everything that I am, everything that he desires me to be, I'm gonna give it to him, trusting that he's gonna provide for me. And all of those testimonies talked about and revealed that he is our king, that he is sitting on his throne, and as we seek and as we follow, as we are loyal to him to step out, he will bless us. He will provide for us. He will show up for us. And so as a church this morning, my hope, my greatest desire is that you want some of that. That you want to come down in prayer ministry today and be like, I'm loyal. Come on, bring it. Let's go, baby. You know, let's go. And so I want to talk about this morning, what does it mean? What does it look like to be loyal to God, to be loyal to the king? Because, you know, it's easy for us to talk about a loving God and motivate you with this reality that God loves you. He just cares so much about you. He wants, he wants the, the best for you. And no matter what you've done, he can forgive you. I mean, that's what grace is. And even though you deserve death, he's merciful. And we talk about that a lot at River City Church because so many of us come from wounded places where we've been motivated by guilt and shame and things that God doesn't use. However, if we forget that there is a king sitting on that throne, that he is not only our great lover and friend, if we forget that he is an all-powerful king who has the power to destroy us, not motivating by fear, if we forget who he is, the creator of the universe, all-powerful, then we lose out on on, on on a kind of a reality of what he's calling us to be in terms of our loyalty to him. Because... Loyalty to friends is kind of optional, isn't it? I mean, if you're disloyal to a friend, it's kind of like, well, things will move on. You can ask for forgiveness, and you know, I'm sorry for that, whatever, and move forward. If you're not loyal to a king, what happens? You die. 
That's what happens. You die. And in the Old Testament, there was this, what was, what was happening in the Old Testament, in the ancient Near East, I just want to set up the scripture, we're going to read it in a minute. I'm going to make mine. Is, uh, is that whenever a king, a, a king of a nation would conquer another nation and take it over, they allowed the nation they conquered to remain, the, the leader to remain in power. And it was a special treaty that, that uh, the countries would operate under. And under this treaty, the lower nation, the only thing they had to do, the basically thing that they, they had to support and be loyal to the nation that conquered them. Because the nation that conquered them wanted them to rule the way that they've been ruling to manage the country so they didn't have to. And whenever we read the Old Testament, we start to see this, this treaty language in relationship to us and God. And we come upon, as we study the Old Testament, and kind of broad strokes of the Old Testament, this reality that God is king, he has conquered us, but desires us as his representatives to rule his creation. And that each of us are put into a place to rule, to subdue, to rule over what he's called us to and given us. And his greatest desire is not that we are perfect in that rulership as we're ruling as his representatives, but that we are loyal, that we're loyal because we can't be perfect. And in this text, what you're gonna see is that when we try to be perfect, it leads us to the fear of man and hypocrisy instead of worshiping and being loyal to the king. And so let's start with the scripture. See how I weaved all that together to get you here? I mean, gosh, that's why I get paid big money right there, all right? In the meantime, when, this is Jesus. Let me, let me set it up again. This is Jesus talking to it's like thousands of people around him. He turns to his disciples and says, let me tell you something, boys and girls. It's not just the apostles, it's the disciples, boys and girls. And he says this, let me tell you something. I got something important to say. You better watch out. This is a turning point in the gospel where Jerusalem is going to heat things up and things are going to get tense. And he's basically saying, you got, you know, you got, let me think I'm going to say this without being a slang word that's not inappropriate. You know, you got to, you got to get ready. It's going to get tense. It's going to get hairy. And so pay attention to what I'm getting ready to say. And kind of from this point on, things intensify for everyone who follows Jesus. And he's basically saying, if you're going to follow me, you need to be loyal to me and me alone. Okay, so this is what happens. In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling, please go to the twos room, number 9576. 9576. That's okay. It's okay. We all have children. I know that. I would ignore it all the time, but don't you do that. Don't do that. Don't tell Jonathan I said that either, all right? Well, that's what the volunteers are for. Pick up the baby. They're crying. Okay, here. Busted lip, lose the tooth, broken arm, some serious damage. Pray for healing, then call me. All right. When so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say this to his disciples first. Okay, so there's thousands of people, and he's getting ready to zero in, and we want to pay attention whenever he does that. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And when you have whispered in private rooms, shall be proclaimed in the housetops. So first point is this. Loyalty. It's getting ready to get scary and hairy. 
I need you to be loyal to me. If you're going to make it, you need to be loyal to me above all other things. One of the ways you will see disloyalty to, your, to me creep in is through the leaven of the Pharisees, the lies of the Pharisees. Okay? And what that means, what he's saying is, loyalty to me looks like what you do in the dark is the same as you do to me in the light. What you whisper about me in the dark, I want, I want to see it in the light. Otherwise, it's hypocrisy, and you're fearing, well, here, here, you're fearing man instead of fearing the one you should. The next one is this. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Wow, that's deep. That's scary. We don't like to think about God like that, do we? We don't. We don't like to think about God like that. But this is a reality of the power of God. Now, fortunately, he's a loving, graceful. He loves us a ton. All right, so here we go. Our not, and then Jesus tells him, he's like, I know you're stressing out over this. That's scary, isn't it? So let me tell you a story about how God feels about you. You're like a bird. And not five sparrows sold for two pennies, or not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. Thanks, Jesus. And I tell you, I mean, I'll unpack that a little bit. He's making a point. He's making a point. I know that didn't encourage me the first time I read it either. All right. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man, also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Leave that scripture up there. We don't like to think about Jesus that way, do we? We kind of want to think about, well, if I deny Jesus, he'll forgive me. If I turn my back on Jesus, he'll forgive me. If I do whatever I want to Jesus, he'll forgive me. I'm the business of sinning and being an you know, idolater and doing what I want, what's comfortable for me. And Jesus is in the business of forgiving. I mean, isn't that what we're going to celebrate at the table? Isn't that what the cross is about? Jesus says, look, you deny me, you're not loyal to me before men, then why would, I recipro- why would I lie before my father about where your true heart is? I don't fear you. Jesus doesn't fear us, our reaction to him. And his call for us is to fear the one who has the power, to fear the one who matters, you see, the Pharisees, and he goes on to make, I think the point that Jesus is making is, look, the Pharisees, the people that would drive you to hypocrisy, that would drive you to, for, to, to try to be perfect, to be someone that you're not broken, in need of me, worshiping me, they can't hurt you in a way that matters. They can only hurt your body. They can only kill you. But big deal. They can't touch your soul. Instead, fear the one who can not only physically hurt you or not only has the power to create life but can take it away but also the soul forever what really matters he's drawn this contrast between the reality of the seen and the unseen world do you want to be loyal to a world that really doesn't matter and that and to people that really can't hurt you because that's where we're heading we're heading to a place where the leaven of the Pharisees are going to seep in, and in your mind you will see the way they behave and be drawn to it. My perfection, though, is not, my desire is not for you to have perfection. My desire is for you to be loyal, to serve me, 
to acknowledge me before men, to stand for me before men, to step out and reflect my kingdom in this world, in the seen world. Woo! I just noticed that when I walked by it. I thought it was the Holy Spirit for a second. Then anyway, and so what does that look like? And again, each of us, the reason this is so important, the reason loyalty is so important, the reason having a healthy understanding and fearing God is so important is because we can't become and we won't become who we're called to be unless we understand that. If we have a God that we feel like we can push around and that follows us around wherever we go and we'll do whatever we want, then is he really our God? Is that the kind of God you want to serve? When we are worshiping, I've been, I have spent more time praying about and asking God to speak to me about how does this work? How do we not create in people this fear that motivates them? Because that's not God's desire. That's not what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to get us to have this reverence for our Father so that we understand how serious our sin is and how deadly our disloyalty to him is and how dangerous it is when we choose to serve ourselves and be loyal to men instead of him. And that is what Jesus is trying to communicate to his disciples. Not, hey, God's going to, He's going to zap you with a lightning bolt. You better change the way you're... That's not what he's doing. He's, he, this is the love statement from Jesus. This is the love statement. And when we were in worship, I was praying, I've been praying. I've, I've had no sense of how to, analogy, you know, to do an analogy or an illustration for this. And I just had this picture when I were worshiping. And so I was going to try to get... A, a, I was going to get someone up here to, to do this with me, but I don't want to embarrass anyone. So I'm not. I'll do it by myself. All right? So this is what happens. It's like, I'm going to be God, okay? And this is how some of us treat God. Now imagine there's a person in front of me, and they're going off. Come on, God. I'll be both people. That's what I have to do. Come on, God. Okay, where are we going? All right, so we're falling. I'm God now. I'm falling, I'm falling, I'm falling. Oh, hey, God, I'm going to go do this, like, little sinful stuff. Is that cool? Sure, I love you. I forgive you. Let's go. And, uh, you know, Jesus is with him. He's going wherever he go. Oh, God loves me. God loves me. He follows me. This is great. Come on, God. Come on. It's like a puppy. God's a little puppy. He's following us around. He's so loving. He's so great. He loves everything I do. Oh, yes, God is so good. Thank you. Aren't you a precious God? You're so sweet, God. I love I love that you love me. You're so loyal to me. Don't we treat God like that? Is that who God is? Well, that's a loving God. Do you fear a God like that? No. Does a God like that have power that you can call on? No. You see, a God that is not feared is a God that we almost emasculate and make powerless. A powerful God. We can't have power for good and no power on the other side of it that balances it. You see, we can't have Love without justice, that our God is just and powerful. But again, Jesus doesn't want to motivate us with this fear. And so here's the other picture of God. And I just had this, and I was just standing here. And God sees us, I'm God again. And this person, and this is me. And God's here. I love you. You're loyal to me. I'll bless you. You stray from me, and there'll be consequences. But it doesn't change that I love you. Hey, God, I'm loyal to you. I love you too. But there's just something, something I want to go do over here. Okay, is that cool? Is that cool? And so I'm going to go do it. 
Well, God, what are you doing? I thought you loved me. I thought you were going to follow me. I thought, that, I thought that we were friends. I thought that we were buddies. Come on, what's going on? You know, you sent your son, he died for me. I follow him, I love him. We're in a relationship. Aren't we in a relationship, God? Well, then I think you should come here because this is what I'm going to do. God, what's going on? I thought, God, what's going on? I thought we were friends. And we go back to God, and God is standing there, and he says, I love you, but your sin is so serious. When you depart from me, there's going to be serious consequences. Because I love you so much. I've done so much to demonstrate my love for you. And when you turn from me, when you decide to go your own way, when you worship yourself or worship men and the affections of men or comfort or whatever is in the world, then I'm not going to support that. I'm not going to be a part of that. You don't even fear me. You don't understand the reverence that I demand, that I've created the heavens and the earth, and you're asking me like a puppy to follow you? Are you serious? With one strike of my hand, you would no longer exist. Your soul would be separated from me forever. Is that what you want? Because every time you leave me, that's what I feel. It's a separation that feels like forever. And I have the power to separate us forever. Do you not understand the reverence that I demand, the power that I have? That's the God I want to serve. That's the God I want to be loyal to. I'm not motivated by his power. I'm not afraid of him in the, in the, in the sense that I'm shivering before him. I stand before him with a boldness and an understanding and an excitement that he loves me, loves me more than anything else he created. But he certainly has the power to destroy me also. And so I choose to bow my knee and serve him in every way that he asks, in every day of my life, in a way that would honor and bring glory to him instead of myself. And it's in the presence of that God that I don't give a crap what you think. I don't care what man thinks. I don't care whether I get it wrong before you. It's in the power of a God who can destroy that brings me to humility and makes me realize that that's my king. I want to be with him and serve him forever. I don't want him to follow behind me like a puppy. I want to revere him, his awesomeness. And it makes real this reality of what the cross really accomplished, doesn't it? I mean, a, a God that could kill and destroy me at any moment, looking at someone, each of us, saying, and guess what? You deserve it because of your sin. You deserve my wrath. You've earned that because of your sin. How much more value if we understand the power of God and we have a healthy fear of God does what Jesus did for us make more sense and make it special? A God without power, a powerless God, no thanks. I want to be in the presence of a God that deserves my worship because of who he is. Because of what he can do, but chooses not to because of his love for me. And so it's in this balance that Christ desires loyalty from us all. 
this healthy balance of fear and love, understanding the power of God, the reverence of God, the holiness, the perfection of God, and the seriousness of our sin. Now, unfortunately, some of us think that our, the seriousness of our sin, it takes over. This is why we talk on God's love so much. Because I say that to you, and you're like, oh, yeah, my sin, it's serious, all right. Let me tell you how serious it is. It's so serious, I can't even tell you about it. It's so serious. That's how serious it is. And so we take ourselves out, and we say, I can't rule over anything. My sin is too serious. It's too ugly. It's too dark. And so we talk a lot about God's love for you. We talk a lot about your forgiveness. We talk a lot about the power that he has given you. And so this is what Jesus talks about when he says to spare us. For those of you who think that your sin is so serious that God can't use you to rule over his creation, that your sin is so serious that somehow the blood of Christ isn't enough for you, God says this, let me tell you about these birds. They cost two for a penny, okay? And Jesus says, look, look at these sparrows. They cost two for a penny, two for a penny, five for two pennies. Well, what does that mean? What happens with the fifth one? It's thrown in for free, right? It's a freebie, two for a penny. Jesus makes this point. This is what happens. You know, in Matthew, this is how God, this is what, this is what you know, sparrows went for, two for a penny. God says, Jesus says, look, The freebie, God cares about you more than that. How about that? The worthless one. God even cares about the sparrow that is worthless. And if he cares about the sparrow that's worthless, certainly he cares about you. He cares about you so much, he even knows the number of hairs on your head. I mean, what is, I mean, I don't think hair's that important, you know? I'm just saying, hair's not that important. But to God, everything about you is important. Everything about his creation is valuable to him. And you have been set aside and called to be loyal to him. And out of that loyalty, as you serve him as your king, to rule over the place and part of creation that he has put you. Because you love him and he loves you. And so every one of us have a responsibility to be loyal to not fear men, to fear the one who has the power to really hurt us, but not be motivated by that. Be motivated by this reality that he cares and loves about you more than a bird. You know, I mean, more than a worthless bird. He has specialty. You're special to him. There's no one like you in the rest of creation. So what does this look like in practical? What does this practically look like in your life? It means that in the dark places, in the unseen places, you're living and loving and acting with integrity the same way that you are in the light. You know, this verse used to terrify me. You know, I'd be like, oh my gosh, you mean all those teenage years where I was not doing what I should be doing and I was a bad boy and all those things. That's gonna be shouted from the rooftop? Are you serious? Oh my goodness. No, that's not. I totally think that's not. I think the enemy wants us to believe that. That's motivation by fear. God, a loving father doesn't do this. I think what Jesus is saying, look, as you're loyal to me, as you serve me, as things are going to get hairy, you better be doing you know, what you do in the dark places, in the secret places. You'll be rewarded for. And the glory that you show me and the faithfulness and the loyalty that you show me that no one else, sh- that no one else sees, my father sees. My father sees your loyalty. My father sees your love. And one day it will be proclaimed for his glory. That's what that scripture means. But warning to you Pharisees and those who choose the path of Pharisees, guess what? Your hypocrisy will also be revealed too. 
Now, thankfully, as his children, he says, fear not. Why do we not have to fear? Because we're forgiven. We're covered by the blood of Christ because he loves us so much. And so for us, the followers of Christ, this is an inspiration for us to be consistent in our life. Not perfect. Not perfect, but seeking to be loyal in the dark and unseen places, to serve and love Jesus Christ, and then also in the public places in every way. And so for each of us, that looks different. For a teacher, that looks different. Let me tell you a story. Should I take a drink? There's this guy who lived in the 1700s. And in the 1700s, in Europe, they did not understand how bacteria worked. And so people were throwing their trash away and drinking the water that their trash, you know, was being kind of coming to them. So even though it looked clear, it wasn't. So tons of people were getting sick. Tons of people were dying because of dysentery. So everyone was terrified to drink water. So what they do? Of course, they started to distill everything that was liquid. And they made whiskey and gin. And so they started drinking whiskey and gin. I talked to someone last night who said, yeah, my uncle who lived over there. Yeah, he, he, I remember that. He told me this story. Like whenever he was... Growing up, like, he'd brush his teeth with gin. He'd drink gin all the time. He's like, oh, yeah, he was an alcoholic at the end. But, I mean, he had to do it. He didn't die. And he was just telling me this story. So this is the story. So this is the situation in Europe and in Ireland. Well, there's this one guy who says, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Understanding that, that God's desire is not for us to die. He, he wants to redeem creation. He wants to keep us healthy. He wants, doesn't want us to die. I'm going to brew something that doesn't have as much alcohol and that's good for you. That's good for you. And so, Arthur Guinness began a brewery with the expectation that God was going to redeem his creation as he was loyal to him. Now today, there's 10 million glasses of Guinness consumed every day. 10 million. And so he's prospered in the worldly way. But what you might not know about Arthur Guinness is this legacy that he passed on. His motto was... Let me find it. His motto for life was, Spes me in Deo. I don't even know what language that is, but it means this. My hope is in God. My hope is in God. And he lived by those words it said. And one day, old Arthur was sitting in church, and guess who came to preach? John Wesley. I mean, it's like game over. Someone like that walks in the room. You're done. You're ruined. You just might as well, like... Take, start taking off your clothes and be like, here it goes, Jesus. I'm going naked the rest of my life to serve you. I mean, he's like a serious preacher, right? So that day, certainly, one of the things that Wesley would preach every single place that he went was this. He, this was a famous quote from Wesley, and it says that he, so he preached that day at St. Patrick's in, in Ireland. He said this, earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Your wealth is evidence of God's calling from God. So use your abundance for the good of mankind. I was going to save that for my next giving talk, and it probably will come out. But he heard that. Arthur Guinness heard that and said, I'm going to be loyal to this reality that God has blessed me with wealth. And you hear stories that his company was the best company to work for. The wages he paid his employees was the best. Why? Because that's what the kingdom of God looks like. That's what loyalty to Christ looks like, even though it costs him money. At Christmas time, during World War II, he said, my, every single British soldier 
every single soldier is fighting World War II is for us. We're going to give them a pint to eat with their Christmas meal, to drink with their Christmas meal. And they didn't have enough workers to get it out there. So what happened? All of these people who used to work in the factories, having experienced the love of Arthur Guinness, demonstrated loyalty and came back and worked for free to make sure that every soldier and every soldier did that Christmas. One of the family members was given five million pounds as a wedding gift, gave it to the poor, and moved into the poor community. That's his legacy that began with this reality that I'm going to be loyal in every area of my life across the board. I'm going to be about the kingdom of God and what that looks like. The Guinness story, it's not about beer. Show that, show that slide real quick before I finish. This is a book. This is where it all came from. It's called The Search for God and Guinness, a biography of the beer that changed the world. One of my evangelical friends told me that story, and I thought, I'm working that in somehow. <laughs> I was going to have a Guinness up here and pop it open, but since I don't you know, drink alcohol, I mean, not because there's anything wrong with it. It's because when I drink alcohol, well, you just watch out. <laughs> <laughs> I love non-alcoholic beer, though. But I was going to have a Guinness up here. I was going to crack it open just to have it on stage and say, I preached with a Guinness on stage. Cracked open. People wondering if I'm going to drink it. But anyway, the Guinness story isn't about, about beer. It's not even really a story that I've just told you isn't about Arthur Guinness or his family. It's about what God can do with a person who's willing to use all that God's trusted them with to become all that God's called them to be. That's what it's about. It's either all or nothing. We're either all in or we're not. Arthur Guinness was all in. In every way. Perhaps the greatest thing that Arthur Guinness said, though, was this. Gentlemen, find out the will of God for your day and generation. And then, as quickly as possible, get into line and do it. Loyalty in our life looks like we are in line. And we are firing and we are marching forward. Under the banner of of a king who is loving and powerful but has work for us to do. And it looks like in the dark what it does in the daylight. And if your life doesn't look like that, God wants to bring forgiveness and healing. For whatever reason, you might be fearing man more than God. Jesus says, friends, disciples, friends, there's nothing to fear. The worst that they can do is harm your body. Don't fear them. My loving Father has sent me to bring you freedom and life from those things and those fears. Let's celebrate that. And that's what loyalty to Christ looks like. That's what a healthy fear and reverence of the Father looks like. It leads to a kingdom that's moving forward.